Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. It's really about understanding how far you can push yourself when you don't have any other responsibilities. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we are excited to be talking to Veronica Morgan, co-host of Location, Location, Location Australia and owner of Good Deeds Property Buyers. Having struggled to find a career that truly satisfied her, she fell into the world of property Fast forward a few decades and she is now recognized as one of Sydney's expert property buyers. With a wealth of experience under her belt, Morgan is still looking at expanding her professional expertise. I'm the principal of Good Deeds Property Buyers. Uh, which is a Sydney-based buyers agency. I also uh, am co-host of Location, Location, Location Australia and Relocation, Relocation Australia with Bryce Holdaway on Foxtel. And this year, I've actually launched my own podcast as well with a co-host, Chris Bates, and we it's called The Elephant in the Room Property Podcast where we talk about all the things that nobody wants to talk about regarding property. With all these different professional roles, we asked Morgan what any given day in her life looks like. Well, in a given day, because predominantly my business is uh, being the principal of a buyer's agency in Sydney, now obviously what we do, we help people who want to buy property within a 10-kilometre radius of Sydney CBD, so that's Lower North Shore, Eastern Suburbs, Inner West, and we understand really how stressful the whole buying process is, particularly in such a and even in a flat market, it's still competitive and challenging, let me tell you. So we understand the stresses involved in that. We also understand how devastating it can be when you get it wrong and how easy it is to get it wrong. So my role is to develop products and systems and processes and research and um, get the message out to as many people as possible so that my team can help them buy the right property. Morgan never felt a connection to a childhood suburb ultimately enforcing a habit of being on the lookout for new places to sell into. I grew up in, drumroll, I'm always a bit awkward about admitting this, I grew up in the Sutherland Shire in Sydney and uh, for anyone who knows the Shire, in inverted commas, they realise that most people who live there think it's God's country and it is to them, I'm not disparaging it. Uh, it's just that only about 5% leave and I'm one of the 5%. So I left there a long, long, long time ago. Um, I actually turned 50 this year. I can't quite believe I'm I'm that old, but anyway, I am. And I'm thankful that I've made it, you know, one piece. Um, so I've been out of the Shire now for, oh, 30 years. Um, could not imagine going back. And I live in the inner city, uh, the inner, inner west of Sydney. Wow. 
Uh, you're actually the first that tells me that, and to be honest, you know, to, to share that because a lot of people don't like to say that about the show as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I will caveat it by saying I never felt like I belonged there, but a big reason why I would never belong there is because it's very much a beach culture and I have very white skin. And then after you finished high school, did you go to university or did you go out and start um, any work? I went to university. Well, actually, yeah, I didn't go to schoolies. I mean, I remember the day after I finished the HSC, I was back to my part-time job at Grace Brothers back at the day. Um, I went straight to university and did a four-year degree in visual communications, believe it or not. And in the first year of that four-year degree, I realised I was going to be a really crap designer and which is really what I was doing was graphic design. And I went along to talk to the dean of the the, um, department and he, and just to get a bit of advice, and he said, well, do you like uni? I quite liked it. I just knew I wasn't even going to be very good at what I was doing. And he said, well, since you haven't got any other plans, you might as well stick it out (laughs) because when you finish it, you can go and do a post-grad, which is what I did. So I finished that degree. I went and worked in in a design role for a short period of time and within two years I was back at uni doing a a Masters of Commerce in marketing. And I did marketing for some time. I, uh, I also, when I was at university, I made sure I did accounting modules as well I remember learning negotiation in an accounting module, which is a bit odd, you know, I come to think of it. But um, I did that because I, in the businesses that I worked for other people, I, I could see that marketers and finance people seemed to be always at loggerheads. So I wanted to understand why. And in my very first lecture, I did understand why, and it was because of the word control. And um, accountants love using that word. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's why marketers and accountants really struggle to get on because of this whole idea of control and um, anyway I learned a lot it was great I got I got that under my belt and from there I moved actually into recruitment where I learned the art of selling and um, short cut, cutting a short a long story short uh, after a couple of years in recruitment I did really well but I hated it absolutely hated it and I really wanted to get into hospitality. So that's where I went. I went and bought a cafe, blew all the money that I'd made in recruitment. And that's what led me to property because after two years in hospitality, I really felt that I, um, you know, my love of that industry was well and truly exhausted. I, I realised I had to go and earn some money. I was always interested in property. I liked the sales side of recruitment. I also looked at the sales process of, you know, finding a property, finding a buyer, putting them together, um, very similar to the recruitment process, finding a job and finding candidates and putting them together, except that I didn't have to get my my buyer to like my vendor. That was really good. And, um, you know, very different in recruitment. And I did that for six years. And after six years, and, and I did very well in real estate sales, and I really enjoyed it for most of that time. But after the six years, I really got to the point where I needed a bigger challenge. And that is really how I ended up getting into the buying side of things. Back then, being a buyer's agent wasn't a common profession. Morgan reveals how she ended up in a never-before-seen role. Well, in 2006, I was starting to look at other ideas and projects and, and I toyed with the idea of actually going to business with my bosses and, and um, opening up another agency with them. And I also, at the same time, was thinking I might try and have a baby, and I did. So my daughter is now 12, and at that point, I thought, look, I'm just going to take a year off and really just reevaluate things and, and 
I know an opportunity will come up. Um, I don't know why I knew that, but I just felt that. And, you know, I really enjoyed that time off. And about the, the second six months of that, I, I started really starting to investigate other things that I could do because I really, by that stage, realised I did not want to go back into sales. I'd really done what I wanted to do there. I had enough. And so I did start to look into the buyer's agent thing, but I was still dabbling in a number of different things. And, and outside of at one point, I thought I was going to go and sell cars. So, you know, I really, <laughs> I was looking at a, a wide variety of, of options there. And I actually was contacted by somebody that I'd done an appraisal for some years earlier. They'd moved to London and they wanted to buy back into Balmain, which is where I was selling, had been selling, and they wanted to buy back into Balmain. And they they asked me if I'd represent them. And really that's where it started. I just thought, oh, well, yes, I can help you. And, and you know, they didn't even end up going for that property. But, but in the process I went through of thinking, okay, how can I represent them? I thought this really interests me. And that's where it started. Reflecting on the beginnings of her property investment journey, Morgan recalls whether her parents had any influence in her jump into real estate. I couldn't even tell you where it came from. I think it really came from, for a while there, I lived in Manly and I think, in fact, my cafe was in Manly and while I was there, I just became interested in property generally. I think I had quite a few real estate agents as my client, as my customers in the cafe. Maybe that's where it started, you know, having conversations with them. I was looking through the Manly Daily all the time at the ads, you know, and, and I had started looking at properties too, um, bit hard when you have a cafe that you're at all day Saturday but I was yeah I was this interest was starting to peak at that point um and that's really I guess where it started. With such a great amount of professional experience in the property investment industry, Morgan tells us the story of how she scored the role of co-host on Location, Location, Location Australia. When I started off as a buyer's agent. So my business, I actually started, I, look, I, I contracted for someone else for, for a while and then I actually started my own business in the beginning of 2009. And I really started researching overseas buyer's agents because there just was not a lot here, some here, but, um, and obviously I was watching the show, you know, Relocation, Relocation and Location, 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 the Australia, sorry, the English version with Kirsty and Phil. And, you know, and I, and in a way that was a bit of, um, training, you know, just watching that. And I remember researching and just looking into their website, just seeing what resources they had, for instance, and and there was something there about Phil coming out to film in Australia and I was really incensed. I thought, oh, you're kidding me. You can't find an Australian, pre- you know, presenter. This is ridiculous. And I didn't go hunting any of this. I'll honestly tell you, this came to me, but, but the idea, it was like, oh, if ever there's going to be a show in Australia, I want to be the host. So that sort of just was it, laid dormant. I did nothing about it. I can't claim to have made this happen one little bit. Um, And I was actually on holidays in Thailand and I got contacted by the producers of the Australian version of the show. And they were just basically contacting, I think, every single buyer's agent they could find online. (laughs) And, and you know, there was nothing special in terms of how they found me. And I just had this sort of, I don't know, I just sort of had this sense of entitlement. I don't, a bit cheeky, I guess, but I, I really felt like it was mine. I just didn't want anyone else to get it. I really wanted it and I just felt it was mine. This is this is me. I can do this. So, I, and I, it's a bit odd because I'm not always that confident, believe it or not, in life and um, and not that certain always, but I was about that and I managed to somehow get chosen. So there you go. That's the end of that story. <laughs> 
Coming up after the break, we'll delve into Morgan's journey as a full-time property investor. I have made mistakes even though I'm a professional and in fact, a lot of the mistakes that I prevent my clients from making up. Her worst investing moment on her property journey thus far. I was under the impression, shall we say, that I could buy without having to sell. Then I realized I had to sell and then all of a sudden, I was under absolute pressure to get that sold. The point at which everything clicked for her. I was, I just felt, I still sort of turn around and, you know, pinch myself because it was just, that was one example of where all the ducks lined up. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey, podcast listeners. Are you interested in small investments with big profits? If the answer is yes, then register your interest at propertyinveststory.com. When you sign up, you'll receive deals at wholesale price which I've negotiated with the vendor. These deals generate positive cash returns from day one and I only send these out exclusively to my community. To find out more, visit propertyinveststory.com. Now back to the show. Morgan's first investment happened in her mid-20s where she was unsure of what she was getting herself involved in. I have made mistakes even though I'm a professional and in fact, a lot of the mistakes that I prevent my clients from making up, you know, rooted in my, learning from my own mistakes. Um, my first ever property I bought when I was 26 or 27, I'm trying to remember now, um, it was at the suggestion of a boyfriend, believe it or not, and it was while I was in recruitment and I think I was 27 and, yeah, it was while I was in recruitment so I was earning good money and he suggested um well you know I've got a friend who's got this development in Chippendale or wherever it was and you know you can buy a one-bedroom property for x amount of dollars you should do that and so (laughs) I went off to look at this brand new development and the apartments that I could afford or I thought I could afford and I was mortified because they were horrible and to this day I'm very glad I didn't buy one um, but what it did do, it got me started. I, I went, right, that's it, I'm out. I'm, and so I started looking and I actually did buy a brand new property as it turns out. Um, and I think it was back in the days, it was in the late 90s or mid 90s and, and where you could actually buy at a reduced price, not like today. And I think I did all right. You know, I actually lucked it. I bought, I actually bought a studio. Um, it was a well, very well-designed studio. Um, back in the day, I could borrow 95% of it. I think stamp duty was like $3,000. You know, it, it, it was a great foothold. I actually lived in it for a year and then I kept it as an investment for a number of years and ended up selling that in order to buy my first house. And so it, the capital growth of that property gave me the deposit on a house and I couldn't have saved it as fast as it made it uh, in terms of property growth. There was a hell of a luck in that. Some of the mistakes were that really I didn't actually, I didn't push myself. I I was very safe in terms of what I bought. I could have afforded more. I didn't have anyone to guide me really other than the boyfriend suggesting that I buy something. That was it. Um, So I didn't know where to go to get advice. I didn't know you could get advice. Maybe I couldn't back then. I don't know. But my parents, when I help, because they've never invested, I mean, they've owned their own home, but that's it. Um, So I didn't have the network around me or, or the the support structure to make the best decision I could have made, but I made an okay decision. Morgan recalls a high-pressure experience of one of her worst property investing moments. 
when I sold that property. Um, I, I bought a house with my then husband and we used obviously the fact that I had that property with the equity I had in that property um, as the effectively the deposit but because the bank because it was less than 50 square meters in fact it was less than 40 square meters it was 36 square meters the bank had changed all their rules and they would even though it was actually positive cash flow that property as well and it was really frustrating to me that the bank forced me to sell it because um because it was under their their threshold in terms of size and that was really infuriating and it actually put me under quite a lot of pressure because once again I didn't have good advice didn't have good access to good advice so I bought um mortgage broker told me that I could or the bank told me that I could well, hang on, let me just go back here. I'm trying to remember exactly the, the chronology here some years ago. Um, I was under the impression, shall we say, that I could buy without having to sell. Then I realised I had to sell and then all of a sudden I was under absolute pressure to get that sold prior to me settling on the house. So that was scary because I really felt... Um, I re- yeah, I re- really felt quite exposed at that point in time and I was pretty panicked. Anyway, managed to get it sold and got it sold for a fair price and, and you know, the rest is history. Um, so that was a sticky and that was back to not getting good advice and not knowing what I didn't know so therefore I didn't ask the right questions. I mean, from that experience, I would say you've probably definitely mentioned many times getting good advice and getting the right guidance really makes a difference. If there was that kind of thing, how would you have looked at it differently to go into buying property back then? I know this is all hindsight stuff, but it would be interesting to know. Well, in, in hindsight, okay, so before buying that first property, first of all, I would have gone to a broker and understood my full borrowing capacity first because what I did, I just looked for pretty much cheap property because I didn't like the idea of carrying debt. So I could, I easily serviced that property, that loan, and so, and I could have borrowed more and serviced more. So that is the first thing that I did wrong because, of course, when you're young and you've got good earning capacity and don't have any responsibilities such as children or the rest of it, that's your peak accumulation phase. Now I know it's got a name. You know, I didn't know that back then. And so I missed an opportunity. So it was an opportunity cost, I guess, of of buying a a too smaller asset. And as it turns out too, in, in hindsight, back then I didn't know that 50 square meters was become was going to become a magic number you know and that was going to change things um so that's the sort of the future of it but um so that's that's the first thing it's really about understanding how far you can push yourself when you don't have any other responsibilities and I think that's pretty important I will say though it was it was in an excellent location and that is really what did the heavy lifting with it so I made a mistake on the actual asset but the location meant it sort of covered off that mistake. Um, now, you can do so much better if you have a location and you make sure you get an excellent asset. You can absolutely supercharge capital growth. Um, so that was that was a mistake there and that's something I know through learning through that. Obviously, I can I pass that knowledge on to my clients. Um, and then, of course, exchanging contracts on a house, thinking that... Um, you know, I had sort of this luxury of time as to when and where I chose to sell the apartment. That was that was um, a massive risk I took, and I didn't even realise I was taking it. 
So, and that's another thing, you know, if you have to sell before you buy, you need to absolutely know that before you actually commit to a new, a new purchase. In contrast to this experience, Morgan shares one of her countless success stories with property investment. I bought a property, an investment property actually in Alexandria House uh, back in October 2012. That, you know, that's a sort of... Um, timing if you like I can dine out on because (laughs) I got that in just before the Sydney boom which meant that I got all of the growth uh, in that particular property but not only that I actually it it was one of the properties that as soon as I saw it online I just went oh that's a great property and to give you an example I was actually looking um, for a client at the time and I and there was another house which was exactly fifty houses up that street, and I liked the look of that for a client. And the client was overseas, and they weren't quite ready to make a commitment without seeing the property. And I'd started some preliminary uh, research in the price and looking into into the sales history of, around the area and all the rest of it. And I came up with this other one, the one I ultimately bought, which had had failed to sell a year earlier, and. Oh, it, it came up in the recent sales, which is a bit of an odd thing in some of these databases. But I looked at that and went, oh, oh, I like that. And what I loved about it was that it had blue shag pole carpet and blue stripy wallpaper. But I could see just from the photos, I knew the location was excellent. I could see from the photos online that this was a really well-maintained property. And look, I can pick this stuff up, right? So when I went and looked at the property, I could... It, it, stacked up with everything that I thought and I would never recommend anybody choose a property based on what they see online either. There's a caveat there. But it, we have this bit of a joke called a Nana's property and a Nana's property is basically something that's really dated but in immaculate condition and that is exactly what this property was, immaculate condition but dated. And so blue shake pile carpet, blue stripy wallpaper just turned people off. But I could see underneath that a lot of the original features were still there um, you know, it was, as I said, it was a very well maintained, a very well loved home. And I managed to pick it up because funnily enough, it happened to be about to be placed back on the market. And I picked it up, um, at the same price that their best offer had been a year earlier. And I was, I just felt, I still sort of turn around and, you know, pinch myself because it was just, that was one example of where all the ducks lined up, all my all my knowledge as to what to look for, what, what constitutes a good property, how I found it was a little bit left of centre. The timing was absolutely perfect. Um, you know, they, they'd missed out on opportunity. They, they, expe- the owner's expectation was a little bit too high a year, a year earlier and as a consequence I got to buy it a whole year later. It's a bit less than I would have had to pay had it hit the market fresh. So, inspired by Veronica Morgan's story, we'll keep the conversation going in a future episode where we'll discuss significant mentors that have helped her on a property investment journey. John Lindemann, for instance, um, you know, he's been around a long time and I find his approach just a little bit different. So, I would say he's a mentor. Details on her property investment habits. Well, uh, I, I drive everyone nuts right because i have this approach to life it's continual improvement what she's excited about for the future i'm changing my debt structure a bit and i'm actually about to renovate another property which is my home again and that's next time in a future episode of property investory also are you interested in small investments with big profits if the answer is yes 
simply text me your email address to 0499881040 to register your interest. When you sign up, you'll receive deals at wholesale price which I've negotiated with the vendor. These deals generate positive cash returns from day one and only send these out exclusively to my community. To find out more, text me your email address on 0499881040. Thanks for listening.